watching TV or listening to the radio, you wouldn't think the following true, but investment managers generally should be cautious when broadly promoting their investment approaches and specific aspects of their approaches in particular. Industry regulators carefully review such practices and generally frown upon non-specific advice, since promoters generally have no idea of the financial scenarios, mindsets, or risk tolerances of the audience. I was reminded of this fact from a recent advertisement for the yet broadly unregulated cryptocurrencies quarter of the financial markets. Generally esteemed actor Matt Damon is seen in a recent ad for cryptocurrency conglomerate Crypto.com. The ad is titled, Fortune Favors the Brave. Perhaps you've seen it, but if you've not, please be prepared for cringe. In the ad, Mr. Damon likens investing in cryptocurrency to scaling Mount Everest with natural fiber ropes and clothing solo-flighting, hand-built aircraft, and shuttling to Mars. Well, it could be that he's talking about the bravery of investing in crypto. Or maybe he's talking about the folks who started Crypto.com. He could simply be talking about himself, potentially risking his career making such obviously grossly obtuse comparisons. Of course, I don't think he's risking his career. I mean, I think he's a pretty good actor, though I much more appreciate the Martian book to the movie. But to further the critique, that statement, fortune favors the brave, can be true, but I've always found it lacking in proper disclosures. That is, Fortune has been seen to have favored some folks who have shown bravery, among other characteristics, but not all such folks. Past performance is no guarantee, of course. But what the ad gets correct, very correct, I think, is the idea that exceptional returns may require exceptional risk-taking. It's an idea that we revisit often in print and in this podcast. Worth briefly revisiting in the new year, though, how we and why we incorporate risk into our portfolios. The first steps into risk-taking in our portfolios is within fixed income, where we can choose how much exposure to interest rate risk and to credit risk we're willing to take. Interest rate risk is that related to the fact that bond prices generally move inversely to interest rates, such that rate rises are likely to result in price declines for bonds. Credit risk is the chance that a bond issuer might default on a bond. Generally speaking, with regard to both risks, the more each is embedded in a particular bond, the higher the interest rate the bond offers. In both cases, investors in the aggregate determine how much incremental return is provided by taking on that excess risk, and in the present environment, that incremental return is dramatically lower than has been seen in the past. We therefore are increasingly cautious with regard to taking on both types of bond risk, as we determine where the incremental bang for buck, as it were, justifies the additional exposure. The next step up in portfolio risk comes through the addition of equity. Stocks generally are riskier than bonds, so the more stock we add to a portfolio, the riskier the portfolio becomes. But we can add additional flavors of risk on the equity side, too. The most relevant example in the case of our strategy are the tilts that we incorporate into our portfolios. As I noted in this month's commentary, small-cap stocks tend to be more volatile and therefore are considered riskier than large-cap stocks. The risk of tilting towards value stocks can be seen differently. While value stocks are not necessarily more volatile than the market, a tilt toward value or small or more profitable names can be seen as increasing the expected difference in returns of the portfolio versus the market. Now, we expect that difference to result in higher returns, but that's not always the case. And that's why we refer to the additional expected return we seek from those tilts as a risk premium. Where there are no incremental risk involved, we should not naturally expect additional returns. Interestingly, thinking about risk in an altogether different way, the addition of non-U.S. stocks to U.S. stock portfolio actually tends to reduce the overall risk of the portfolio. But to many folks, exposures abroad seem inherently riskier, and in the case of emerging market stocks or even in individual country exposures, that's generally true. 
most country markets are smaller and less diversified than the U.S. market, increasing their relative risk. But taking them all together, those differentiations have the net effect of reducing overall portfolio volatility by virtue of the greater chance that individual country markets might be moving in different directions and with different velocities over time. That extra zigging and zagging has the general tendency to smooth out portfolio returns. Smoothing, though, doesn't always mean boosting. And I'll use that point as means to qualify the emphasis in this month's commentary on the now of our particular approach to investing. In 2021, value stocks, small cap stocks, international developed stocks, and emerging market stocks all underperformed U.S. large cap stocks. Given that underperformance, one might think that our portfolios, at least within the equity component, failed to keep up with their benchmarks. But that's not actually so true. Among domestic exposures, some of the managers we have chosen tended to outperform their respective benchmarks. The remainder saw results much closer to benchmarks than the results of their underlying individual tilts might have suggested. Outperformance among non-U.S. stock exposures in our portfolios tended to be better than benchmark too, much better, in fact, within the emerging market space. We have found that much of that relative success has to do with the fact that most all our selected investments are multi-factor in their underlying investment approach. That is, they do not depend on the results of particular factors alone. Rather, they depend on the interaction of those factors at the individual stock level and how those individual features aggregate to the portfolio level. That bit also speaks to the qualification we add in conversations with clients regarding how we pick stocks. We don't pick stocks. Rather, we generally have chosen to emphasize characteristics of stocks that have tended to outperform over time. That means that individual, company-specific stories are irrelevant to our approach. The characteristics that those stories impart to the stock, along with, and this is the most important, the relative valuation that those characteristics have left embedded in those stocks, matters most to our approach. We further believe that the multi-factor approach both tends to reduce the near-term risk of being too different than the benchmark, while increasing the potential to improve upon benchmark performance over time. And that bit is why we tend to think that now, meaning generally always, is a fine time to utilize our approach on the equity side of a portfolio for those folks willing to take on the incremental risks that we've outlined so far. Having noted that we do not consider ourselves stock pickers, we are also very careful not to be timing markets. So what's with the market timing aspects of our conversation in this month's commentary? Admittedly, the whole thing seems to present today as a fine time to be tilting portfolios towards value in small cap stocks. Again, we think for certain types of investors, it's always a fine time to be emphasizing smaller and valuationally challenged stocks within a portfolio. But when we extend the logic substantiating an emphasis on relatively undervalued names, we come to the conclusion that periods during which relative valuation is at an extreme may prove relatively more fortunate for those who are brave in their acceptance of the incremental risks that seeking to take advantage of such opportunities entails. Importantly, past performance is not indicative of future results. The foregoing commentary is not presented as an investment recommendation. The approach described may not be right for everyone. No one listening to this commentary should take our comments as advice specific to or appropriate for their individual situations. Individual circumstances should be taken into consideration when determining a suitable investment approach. All investing carries risk.